Welcome to another quick quickie of the Woodward Tigers podcast here at woodwardsports.com. I'm Rohelio Castillo. Alongside me is Chris Brown. And make sure to check out all the great content over at woodwardsports.com and our new partnership with Fox 2 Detroit. So if you are a fan of the morning show, for example, check those guys out. They will possibly be on there. Same with Braylon and Armani and Edwards. So some good things happening over at the network. So go to woodwardsports.com, participate in Woodward Chat. We have a couple people in chat all the time that we that I get to talk to when I'm I have an opportunity to chat. But this week has been it's been it's been like just a like I said, I I had jury duty, finally ended yesterday. We came to a verdict. The whole thing's been tension building and with the weather and everything too. So it's been but today is a crescendo of everything. Everything's coming to a crescendo as the Tigers have added. They're, they've made their 40-man roster complete. So this is what's, who is now on the roster. Reese Olsen, Andre Lipsius. Yes. <laughs> Look, I mean, let me be professional. Okay, let me, let me explain this about Andre Lipsius, okay? And it's one of those things where I, we've watched a lot of games. We've watched a lot of minor league games. And Andre Lipsius, since the day one, I'm like, that guy's going to be on this guy's going to be on a roster. I was very steadfast about it. I've been very steady about it. And again, he's on the roster. Doesn't mean anything, but it's still, it's if you could be wrong and you could be right and wrong about prospects. If you're wrong, you're wrong. It doesn't matter. It's not. I know why sometimes prospect writers have this thing where, well, I sort of said that, but no. Either you own it or you don't. But for Andre Lipsius, I'm just stoked for him. And then also, Winslow Perez, Brandon White, and Parker Meadows have made the roster. So now you're asking yourself, all right, well, who's not on the roster anymore? So, Chris, do you want to go over the names of who is not on the roster? Well, so the, the big one was Kyle Funkhauser. They removed him from the, the 40-man roster, which is a surprise. Not necessarily when you think about it more, but he didn't play at all this year, but he was an integral part of the bullpen in 2021. And that just kind of indicates probably the severity of whatever injury he was dealing with. Thought well, it's a shoulder injury, I think. So we've thought maybe headed for a thoracic outlet surgery, maybe a, a labrum or something like that. You don't want to speculate too much, but that they've dropped him isn't a great sign. Then they also, uh, they cut the recently added Mike Papersky, the catcher who they got from, I think he played in San Francisco even this year, maybe Houston. Uh, and then you, you've got Brendan White who we got to see, we got to see his major league debut and he got a hit. He only played, I think two games, maybe three at the end of the season. He was a guy they added to their 40 man roster in the middle of last year. They claimed off waivers from the angels. Then you got Sean Gunter was dropped from the 40 man, but he cleared waivers and is, is assigned a triple a. So that's, that's helpful. And, and Miguel Diaz, who was one of the two kind of interesting relievers they added, not, not just the two, but they were. One of a couple of interesting relievers we saw at spring training last year who eventually made it up to the big league along with Luis Castillo. And, but, you know, relievers, kind of a dime a dozen, if you will. So uh, they, they viewed him as a guy who was somewhat expendable. So those are the moves right there to make room for the five new players. It is slightly interesting that some of the players who, who made the cut, right? We, a lot of people were expecting one or both of the Castros to be gone or Jamer Candelario. I thought Zach Short and, and Cody Clemens were in danger of being released, but they, they made the cut. So this is this is far from the last move the Tigers are going to make this offseason. They're, they're probably still 
clear at least one spot for the Rule 5 draft when that comes around. But yeah, it was a, it was a very heavy, heavy day in terms of movement. Yes. And they also, the, the Tigers acquired a player by the name of Steel Walker from San Francisco Exchange for cash considerations. So what little do we know about Steel Walker besides the, you know, the name, I'm sorry, the, the name does count for, Steel Walker just sounds like either a superhero's alter ego or a movie of sorts that involves an adult movie. That's, let's just say that. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, if you're going to ignore that, then I'm, I'm, I don't know what to tell you, but it's not where my mind went originally. But I saw that. I was like, Steel Walker. You have to Steel Walker. But he was originally drafted in the second round by the White Sox in 2016. He's 26 years old, and he is a he actually is a left-handed bat. So we thought it would be a Chris. I thought originally it was I thought it was going to be a right-handed bat there, but he did get a cup of coffee with the with this year. He was at the major league level, and he had just 14 at bats and batted a crisp 0.71. So. And that was with, I believe, the Giants. I believe, yeah. I, I, either, I, he may have been with the Rangers. I don't remember exactly who he was. Oh, it was the Rangers. It was the Rangers. You're right. I'm sorry. It was the. Rangers. And then he ended up. I don't know how he got from the Rangers to the Giants, but that may have been a case where Scott Harris was involved with that and wanted to get a look at him, and then he couldn't because he moved organizations. So now he wants to get a look at him too. I remember Bill Walker from college because that was the 2018 draft, and I was paying. Heavy attention to that year's draft because like, the first overall pick. And Steel Walker was a guy who I would frequently mention and kind of be like, here are the outfielders in this class. They actually, he was drafted two picks after Parker Meadows. So, and in between was Sean Hajeli, who I got to use the headline Hajeli on a roll, which made me feel good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, that's an interesting. Again, we, we've mentioned this multiple times now. You saw it with Harsky, we saw it with Jermaine Palacios. We'll probably see it with Steel Walker. Scott Harris just likes to add players and he has no problem getting rid of them if he thinks somebody else is better. So I wouldn't make too much of it. I wouldn't dig too deep into his stats unless he's up with the Tigers playing regular games. For now, he's just another guy on the roster. So that makes sense. Is, is he on the 40 man? No, they just had, he was a minor league deal. So, okay. So they just I, added him. Yeah. I personally like it because then it just makes our job easier to report because then it's almost like, in the case of Brandon Davis, which we have a gentleman by the name of Cleveland in our YouTube chat, I, I agree with you. I thought Brandon Davis, well, I was a fan of his too, but it is what it is, but he was designated for assignment. I don't think he got enough time up here, but I also, again, I, I was kind of a little, a little miffed. Same thing with, like, for example, with uh, Trace Thompson, that never the Tigers never ceased an opportunity. The, the Tigers' outfield was so depleted that I thought Thompson would get a call up, or at least Davis too, because Davis can play the outfield, but it never happened. And and then everybody, and I'm not I'm not one of those people that said, I predicted that he was going to go to the Dodgers and do that. No one did. And no one did. So don't, don't stop. Like, every time I saw a tweet about that this year, I'm like, he didn't do anything in his other stops. So what made it any different than it was before? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the Padres released him before the Tigers last year. Just, yeah. Sometimes... Players like he's, he's a de the definition of like a quad A player. And sometimes the guys like that get a hot streak, and it probably helps to be batting like ninth in, in an elite Dodgers lineup. But yeah, I don't know. I, I like Brendan Davis too, but I don't think that there was a ton there. Like 
he, he had some ability for sure, but yeah, I, again, I don't think that's going to be one that's going to come back to haunt them much. I don't think any of these guys are really. And even, and we said it before, even if, if they do, Harris is going to uh, cycle through enough players to, to make it not matter. You'll find somebody who haunts a, a different team. Another, and that's perfect. And look, and quite frankly, we're not going to, it's going to take us a while for us not to get used to having people that the Tigers are in love with or whatever the case is. It's it stashed away by David Littlefield or Scott or Scott Chad or Chad. David Chad. David Chad. I don't know why Scott Chad. I'm sorry. It's the whole Scott Harris thing, but the Tigers also made another, they made another big splash today as they hired four new people to coaches, to, excuse me, four new coaches to the major league staff. As Ryan Eubanks is named the head of black trainer. Also, Michael Bedar. Is it Bedar? Might I say that correctly? Bedar, I think. Bedar. Keith Bowengard and James Rolson will be all hitting coaches with James Rolson having the title of assistant hitting coach. And then Robert Lund, who we talked about last week, the assistant pitching coach. So that all occurred today. So as far as background goes, Badar comes from San Diego. He was the hitting coach over there. He's also a U of M graduate in 2017. So <laughs> that's fair, fairly recent. He's a pretty young guy. And he played yeah, played two seasons before that. He was at a junior college over at Yablo Valley in California. And he was picked essentially. You can read more in the press release, but Bogard spent time in the Dodgers. And it's still it's interesting because we get a lot of West Coast flavor with the exception of Walson who has been with the Marlins. He was a bench coach, but before that, though, he was the hitting coach for the Twins before going to Miami. So, he again, this is a guy who orchestrated the 2019 offense of the Twins that, if you recall, had a major league record of 307 home runs. So, I don't know what his role is in that, but uh, either way, he has been around for a while, and that's another veteran to add there. And so, as Eubanks goes, and Chris, you want to tell the story about Eubanks uh, with some of the research you were doing beforehand? Oh, well, I mean, the, yeah, there are a couple of things. It's, it's very difficult for us to have any idea how good medical staff is. First of all, we're not doctors by any chance, that are, and especially in my tradition, we don't know what these guys are doing, what makes them stand out from the rest. But I just decided to go over to the, I forget the gentleman's name, but there's a guy who keeps a very helpful Tommy John database. Looking that at guy, every that pitcher, guy, that guy rules. Every pitcher who, in the minors and the majors, even in foreign leagues, who, who has undergone Tommy John surgery, and uh, and and so I looked at the last three years because that's how long Eubanks has been the assistant trainer with Arizona. And I don't, yeah, again, this is this is almost certainly just a correlation rather than a causation. But I looked at every team going back the last three years to see which team had the most and the fewest uh, Tommy John surgeries, and Arizona. That's the second fewest, just three. Colorado is the only team that has fewer. In the same time frame, the Tigers have had nine. The most common is eight, nine, ten. That seems like just about every team. So three is kind of unusually low, you would suspect. But again, it's probably just a lot, but I don't know. Maybe that played into it. And also, maybe it doesn't matter much because the number two is Cleveland with 18. They've had a lot in the last three years, and they're pretty good at developing pitching. So I, I, you know, who knows what's going on here? But if you want to, you could say, "Hey, that's a good sign that the Tigers are getting a trainer from an organization that somehow knows how to prevent arm injuries." It seems unlikely, but 
That's that's one tiny feather in his cap. That's basically the only research I was able to find there. So he's interesting. I, I, I do think having three different hitting coaches, we've talked about this before, how the Giants had a billion different coaches, and uh, we thought maybe the Tigers might add some, but I think it's a good idea, right? Like it, it, with hitting, it might not hurt you to have three different voices, right? So it, it's nice to have everybody agreeing on, on the same thing, but not every approach works for every hitter. So if you've yeah. got three different guys with three different levels of experience, it's probably not bad. You, you can touch on you know, Rousen or Aubrey Prontz's name as extensive experience as a hitting coach, both in the minors and in the majors. Verdar, like you said, he's, he's 28. It's, it's hilarious. I, I was looking it up. He played against Brian Kreidler. He played against Brian. He's three months older than Josh Lester. Jesus. He played against Brian Kreidler. He's their kidding. Uh, so that cracks me up. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. We're still in that honeymoon phase, right? Where every hire seems great. Like, hey, this is a good move. This looks fun. I can see this working out. And, and we'll find out down the road. But at least all these moves make some sense, right? There's there's some backing behind them. And and I I don't know how much credit you can give Bernard for whatever the Padres. The Padres had a 98 WRC plus in 2021. And it was 102 in 2022. Does he get any credit for improving them slightly? I, I don't know. Who cares? But if he's a major league hitting coach at the age of 28, you have to believe that he's doing something right. So I think this is a, an exciting high for the Tigers. Yeah, by the way, I wasn't, somebody in the chat thought I was sleeping because I was looking down at my phone because I got a, a text. But What's the guy in the lips? Yeah. Uh, anyway, no, but it's it, the same thing with like, do do we give Ralston credit for the Twins home run thing? So that, that it's a it's a fair question, Chris. And, and the thing is, what I like about these hires too, it's especially... They, I believe it's two more than they normally would have on staff, correct? So in terms of extra help? I mean, they had, they had Coolball last year, and I think Hessman was their assistant hitting coach after a while. Is that something yeah. right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's they've added one pitching coach and another hitting coach, I think, to what they had before. And I don't know, it makes sense to me. And, and these coaches can do other things too, right? They're probably helping with infield or outfield and stuff like that, so... I, I don't know. It, it does feel like an area where you can get slightly better without really breaking the bank, right? So, right. And right. let's talk. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just said I was happy with it. And again, let's go back to the players for a moment because we, we really didn't discuss the players yeah. that the Tigers added because so Parker Meadows had a breakthrough year. He, he totally 100%, even after he adjusted in Erie hit very well he was starting to hit off speed better his toe tapping mechanism some of the mechanics he changed he was looking really he looked he looked better and i think that one of the things that we always knew about that he had a speed play defense his defense was never in question it was just a matter of him hitting consistency consistently and he started getting over 100 wrc plus both at west michigan he started off torching the ball at west michigan first month of the year he struggled but then he just turned it on and, and hit with power and average. Same with Winsteel Perez, who you and I have talked about this numerous times, how at West Michigan, he sometimes seemed like two different people. Like he just, he would have a really, and we talked about this with Dan Hasty too, that for a month he would hit very well consistently, and then he'd just drop off, and his defense would kind of have defensive lapses, and maybe it was through the head, kind of in between the heads, but ears, heads. <laughs> in between the ears, but it's one of those things where you started being consistent. And then I know the back is an issue, but let's talk about those two. I mean, Chris, in terms of 
Winslow Perez, this is a guy who has shown promise, and I'm, I'm just glad he got it together too. And he, he, to me, this is a really good addition. Yeah, I mean, both guys, I mean, they were the two big breakout prospects for the for the organization last year, and they have similar stories. They were both highly touted at one point, and they couldn't put it all together. And then last year, the big change seemed to be game power, right? Like, uh, and, and Meadows was hitting for a higher average than usual. Same, same with Perez. But part of that, I think, may have been just dialing in the power more. You become more of a threat. You could you hit better. But th- they both were interesting guys in that they, they didn't have, like, astronomical strikeout rates. They walked at a decent clip. They had some defensive value. I think Meadows' defensive value is much greater than, than Perez's. I think Perez is probably a second baseman only, possibly an outfielder down the road. Right. And and they and with Perez it was speed, and Meadows threatened the speed, and and we thought he had raw power, but we never really saw it. And then this year they both just tapped into it. You wrote a great article about Perez, and you were citing data. He raised his, his fly ball rate, kept the line drive rate, was hitting for a lot more power. That was a huge step for him. And, and the same thing with Meadows. And Meadows, you touched on it. He he moved from West Michigan very quickly to Double A area, and he struggled for five, six weeks, but from June 1st on, it was a 140 WRC plus 40% better than the average hitter in double A. And he was 22 the whole season. And then he went to the AFL. It was kind of a similar story where he was, he hit a home run in like his first plate appearance. And then he kind of struggled for a few weeks and then down the stretch, he got hot again. And I think that's just kind of the hitter he's going to be. It's going to take him a little while to adjust, but he's the guy that you protect because he's going to give you a certain amount of value just with his defense alone. I don't think he's like a future gold glove center fielder. I don't think he has the instincts of Riley Green, for example, but he he's faster than Riley Green and he just covers so much ground because he's so tall. He's, he's got like giraffe strides. So I think this is a guy who, who could be an average player in the big leagues, largely on the, the strength of his defense in center field and give you 15 home runs, 15 steals, maybe 20-20 in his prime. And so, yeah, I mean, that's an exciting player, and it was really a big development for them. And, and with Perez, I think it's a similar possibility, 15, 15, 20, 20, but to go along with some, and he actually is, is faster or, or better base dealer than Meadows, I would say. So maybe, yeah, I, I think in, in the piece I wrote for Woodward, I said he might be a viable replacement for Willie Castro soon. He walks more than Castro, it helps. And that's where, to me, I think he's a better smarter player out there when it comes to even making decisions on the base pass and kind of he's a thick like he's gotten thicker his legs in terms of how he rotates and and puts it in the swing a little bit but i've I've always thought he makes good decisions on the base pass and he you can tell he's kind of a a little junkie when it comes baseball junkie and just one of those guys that's gonna it's always working on his craft a little bit not to say that willie doesn't do that but willie I, i the the thing is with willie castro is you put him on the outfield now. You still, if he's still on the roster after all this, you start putting him in the outfield again because in the outfield he wasn't serviceable. But who knows? I, I don't know. Like again, his status is still yet to be determined because tomorrow or even tonight, for that matter, the Tigers could not trade. The Rays made like three trades, by the way. So they were the Rays have been pretty busy today. Yeah. And then the rest of the names. So Reese Olson, who set a double A record excuse me, the eerie record for most strikeouts in one season. Red and white reliever who we were just talking about a little earlier and Andre Lipsius. And Lipsius, again, 
really good numbers at Erie. Got to call it Toledo. Still had a really good walk rate. And from what we we're told, too, had some hard hit contact percentages up there, too. That, and some of that data is not readily available, but we were told by people that it's up there. And he, so again, just a guy who doesn't, when you see him, you're just like, what am I missing here? But again, it, it, the tinkering of the swing, the steady defense, and really good eye at the plate. Yeah, and and managers love him. We've talked to multiple managers at the minor league level who really like Andre Lipschitz, and that means something. I think uh, there's such a thing as leadership on a team and, and playing the right way as an example. And I don't mean like in the Brian McCann way, right, where he's going to touch you for busting your bat. I mean, like he's just a guy who puts in the work and he grinds out at bats. And I, I mean, the, the interesting thing with him is he... He played mostly third base last year. I think that's his best position. That's what he was drafted as. He has played a fair amount of third base. I don't know if that's viable at the big league level because it's his one weakness that he just kind of got heavy feet, right? He's not very quick or agile. He does have great instincts. He's got really good hands. He's got a strong arm. You could probably fake it at second base for a while. I don't think short stop is, is an option for more than an emergency situation. And then when he's at third base, you go, okay, well, he's third baseman. He's probably going to hit 10 to 15 home runs, maybe 15 to 20 in his prime, but he's going to be like 30, 35, 40 doubles. That's, that's, he really hits the ball hard to the right center field gap a lot. And he's going to walk a lot and he's probably going to, going to play good to solid defense. And it just kind of reminds me of, of prime Jamer Candelario, right? He's not a huge home run guy. He's going to hit you doubles. He's going to play solid defense. There's nothing wrong with that. If you can replace Candelario with a guy that's going to be like him for $7 million less, basically. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's a potential average big leader there. Yeah, and we were told, too, that A.J. Hinch was asking questions about him, and it was because of his walk rate. And nothing, nothing to be allowed. So that definitely plays into that, too. We have a, do we have a caller? No, it's just my phone. I, uh, you know what? I got to put my phone on Do Not Disturb, apparently, because I put so little behind the scenes garbage. Essentially, I anything Apple product, all my Apple products ring at the same time. So my tablet's ringing in the other room, and, and I still haven't figured it out. I've, I've turned off all notifications for it. But anyway, I just put my phone on. Just I just thought, I thought it was a, a, a step forward in the Woodward Tigers game. Where we're oh, no, we, we could take calls. Like, there is a way to set up calls. No. So. But I would agree with Rob there in the chat. The outfield of Meadows, Green, Meadows, it's, it's very good. And I still think Bud does have some value to him. But again, I still think, what's up? It's a, well, when, yeah, I remember they had Hill too. It was a very sonic the Hedgehog outfield. No. But he's a free agent. No, he, he signed with the Nationals. Oh, did he? Oh, I did not know that. Or, yeah. Well, not, it was like a, it's like a Phil Walker deal where I think he got a minor league deal with an invite to, to camp. Okay, gotcha. which we said Capitol Hill. We didn't. Oh yeah. I mean, we you touched on Reese Olson and Brendan White, but I think that we should go into depth there a little bit more. Yeah. What? What? Uh, I guess. What are your thoughts there? I'm kind of curious. Why? White was a surprise to me. White was a surprise to me. No, White was definitely a surprise to me. I said earlier that I thought maybe Reese Olson would not be only because the only reason why I had my doubts is because he. The numbers are good and everything, and I know Trevor Huth is a big fan of them. But the reason why I 
pump the brakes a little bit is because you still have you have Ty Madden waiting in the wings. You have Dylan Smith, and or they can use Olsen to make him maybe make maybe they add him to make him tradable. I don't know, but I just thought based off, I just think he's like a guy who's in a fourth or fifth starter. I don't think he's a number one starter. I think you could. It's hard to develop pitching, let alone I understand that. But I thought that if a team did pick him up, they would probably use him maybe out of the bullpen. I can see a team like that, maybe the Nationals or something like that. But because I mean, Nationals have no pitching, none. But as far as that goes, I I'm glad they did. But when I saw it in play, I think it's just because what we saw towards the end of the season, we watched a lot of Erie the last two months mm-hmm. of the season. And one of the things that we noticed about Olsen was kind of like the adjustments he was in some cases, he will make adjustments. And I agree with Cameron in chat. I think he's more better suited out of the bullpen. I just don't see him. You saw him fade after the fourth or fifth inning. And on the opposite of Wilmer Flores, the only reason why I bring this up is because heading into the season, Flores had some bullpen risk, but in a game against Somerset and there are a couple games down the stretch for Erie, Going to second, third uh, through the time through the lineup, I thought Flores did a really good job of adjusting and keeping his stuff good and keeping batters off balance. I didn't see that from Olsen. So, to me, the, the uh, and Alan asked a good question that kind of set uh, sets the tone for what we're talking about here. the The biggest surprise does come with Brandon White. Brandon White, again, very good down the stretch for Erie. I, I think that he. Out of all the pitchers in, in the Erie's bullpen this year, he was the most consistent. You saw that when Alvarez got gave him the ball, it was when in a very clutch situation, and his stuff was nasty. He had a really good slider. And if you go to our YouTube channel on Tiger Miley Reports, we have some Brendan White footage somewhere. The guy, the guy's good. But I think that maybe, maybe there's some teams out there that recognize that about him and they could store. But see, the thing is, I think his stuff is good enough to where he could stay on a Rule 5 roster for the year and just kind of stash him away and use him sparingly. So maybe that's what the Tigers thought too, but I I was surprised. I really I really was surprised on that. Yeah, with, with White, again, like the, the talent is there. We we saw it last year, I mean 2021 in West Michigan, where he was kind of pressed in the starting duty down the stretch because they just needed more arms. But yeah, he, he was excellent out of the bullpen in Erie all year. I, I guess... The main thing that, that would made it somewhat shocking to me was, I mean, he's not really on any prospect lists, which is not a big deal, right? Prospect people right. don't always know what the hell they're talking about, but, but he, he's basically a two pitch pitcher. I don't think I, I don't remember seeing any kind of change up from him. Probably has one, but I don't remember seeing it. And his velocity ticked up a little bit this year. He was like 92, 95, touch 96, I think. But his main weapon is, is a really good slider. It's a slider with close to 3000 RPM. It's, it's in that Jackson Jobe zone almost. And, uh, and he pitched really well at the double A level. So it is kind of that, that game where you're like, do we like this guy? And would another team take him and be able to stash? The answer for, for a guy like white is probably because he would only be pitching 30 to 50 innings all year. Maybe it's kind of like a, a repeat of the Will Vest situation from a couple of years ago where Will Vest was a, a, a interesting reliever. The Tigers didn't protect him and the Mariners took him. And he looked good for them for a little bit, but then they eventually, like, they were better than they thought. They couldn't hold on to him anymore, and he came back to the Tigers. And I guess they just didn't want to take that chance this time with, with Brendan White. So, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if he's pitching in the majors this year, next year. But it, it really is interesting because now if you look at that 2019 draft, 
not only do you have the 19th rounder, Jerry Carpenter in the big leagues, you have a 27th rounder in Bo Brisky in the big leagues, and Brendan White was their 26th rounder. And that's to go along with Riley Green, their first rounder, Brian Gardler, their fourth rounder, and Andre Lipsius, their third rounder. I mean, there's a chance that ends up one of their, their best drafts in the last few years or so. So somewhere, it's, it's, it's go ahead. I'm sorry. No, what, what, what were you saying? I was going to say somewhere, David Chad and all of you are going, see, see, yeah. look, we did. you didn't give us enough talent opportunity. Look at us. But and then just to, to double back on results in a little bit, I think you and I are in, in a agreement for the most part that he's got a good arm. I think it's probably a bullpen piece because that, and, and it, he's, he's kind of a confounding player because his numbers were outstanding aside from his ERA, which that was probably the result of his, he gave up 15 home runs, I think. And that is because in our buddy, Jerry, who we write with over at Tigers minor league report, noticed this, he really goes full hundred percent effort on his fastball. Like he really, he, he noticeably throws like more effort in his fastball, which is something hitters can probably pick up on, but it also means that I think it hampers his control a little bit and that causes the fastball. It's not, it doesn't have a ton of movement and it flattens out and it gets hit hard. And if you can't control your fastball, it, it, it's tough to be a starter, right? I mean, he controls it. He, he throws plenty of strikes, but he doesn't put it where he needs to. And it doesn't have the natural movement to miss bats that much. So the changeup is really good. The slider shows well. So I think, I mean, I think there's, there's something there. I, I've compared him kind of Alex Lang as a guy who might be able to get by the big league throwing. 80, 90% off-speed pitches. The only difference is that Alex Lang has like his curveball and his changeup are both like 70 grand pitches. And I wouldn't put anything higher than 60 on Olsen's best their offering. So I think a potential middle reliever. That said, you don't stop starting them. You keep starting them to see if it works, right? Like maybe right. he figures some things out. Maybe Fetter can figure some things out. And either way, that's, that's uh, one of Avila's best trades ever, getting him for Daniel Norris when Daniel Norris went and was terrible for the Brewers and didn't do anything and was back with the Tigers this year. So that's a good deal. No, we, we can discuss the guy to work at it if you want to. That kind of yeah, let's, yeah, let's do that, yeah. No, no huge docs, I wouldn't say, right? Like, was there anybody who you thought might be added that wasn't? Not really, no. I mean, the, the curious case of Elvis Alvarado, whether he was eligible or not, because our good friend of the show, Eddie Bajak, was... Nothing again. There's, yeah. it was a free agent or not, but yeah, I wasn't sure. I I wasn't sure. Yeah, and neither was I. I mean, I wouldn't have. It, I he knows the minutia of minor league roster stuff much better than I do, and I you know we didn't see Elvis Alvarado in any of those free agent lists, so it seemed like he was eligible. And he's a guy who who throws upper nineties and had really good numbers this year, but but there's not much else there terms of like secondary pitches. So not a huge shock there. There was the Sawyer Gibson long pitcher that they acquired from the twins for Michael Fulmer. There's some thought like, Hey, maybe you don't, you, you protect the guy you traded for. Right. But right. But in, in Gibson long is a, a solid arm, but it's not, not to be mean, but it's nothing particularly special. He's a sinker slider guy in the low nineties, usable changeup, throws plenty of strikes. I, I think a team might select him. And, and throw him out there as a starter. I compared him maybe to like Brad Keller if you hit the lottery there and everything worked out. But for the most part, I think he's probably like a seventh or eighth starter who shows up in the in July or August for a team that 
desperately looking for her arm. So not a huge, not a huge surprise there. I'm trying to think who else in Adam Wolf we like, but it didn't seem likely that he would be added. Uh, Bryant Packard, again, not, not very likely. Yeah. Who, am I, who am I missing? There's the, I feel like there's another hitter or two, but there's uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll pull that up here in a second. Oh, the... Jose De La Cruz, some people thought, because he's on like top 30 list, but I just didn't think there was any way. He took out like 40% yeah. of the time in low A last year. Yeah, there was, there was, for that, I wasn't worried about that either. But as far as, look, the thing about Adam Wolf is, and I, oh, I've talked about this at Tiger Miley Report, there was some really, he made some changes and he talked about that with us at, in Erie mm-hmm. about like, so he went from a, higher three quarters angle and kind of went mid and he started becoming a really effective pitcher for Erie down the stretch. There was a span, I believe a 20 or 22 innings where he did not allow a single run and he looked really good. And he also added some velocity on his fastball based off going out of a kind of a swingman role. It, when we stopped being a starter and started strictly going out of the bullpen, he became a better pitcher. And I think that even you saw again, Alvarez, the way Alvarez used him in the bullpen was pretty masterful in the sense of that, he was able to put him in situations that allowed him to show some of his best stuff. And that that's unfortunate, but I think he'll survive it. I mean, I think that, but also the reason why I don't think maybe it's because he's a lefty and lefties are, of course, lefties have, you've seen this before guys that have that kind of funky arm angle stuff to it. You think of, think of Clay uh, Rapata as an example. I mean, oh, that's, yeah, there's that's a throwback. A, nice. There's, there's a throwback, but just, they give you Craig Monroe. Yes. Yes, they did. But hey, Rapata, Rapata in. <laughs> there's this, like, there's, I don't know, like, left handy, left hand, left, lefties, lefties. Uh, he got released, didn't he? There we are. I did, yeah. He, he got, got released, though. Oh, uh, maybe he retired. Did he retire or maybe he got released? I thought he was released in, like, he got released after, I think, after a week we saw him at, remember, we saw him in Erie or West Michigan, and then a week later he got released. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that happens toward the end of, August in, in the minor leagues is kind of ugly. And of course, there's Mr. 300 himself, Johnny Johnny Valenti, um, yeah. Valenti and he I again as Greg the voice of the URC will have said, look, this guy is going to be on major league roster. Some I believe that too. I really believe he's a guy that has a classic St. Louis Cardinal thing to him, you know, like gritty <laughs> infielder that's gonna it's gonna be a pain in the ass. That's what I think he's gonna be. Also, Andrew Gatto, who I thought had a pretty good year in Erie being a utility guy. I thought I wasn't and surprised Myers. by him. And Dave Myers. Yeah, and Dave Myers was, I think Lynn Henning said something about that too, that he had a possibility because he hit a lot of power. But again, I think, here's the thing. I think with, under the old regime, he mm-hmm. might have made it, honestly. But under the new regime, there's just going to be like, we'll find somebody else. Like uh, somebody mentioned in Discord, and I got to give props to Joey K on this. And our Discord channel. By the way, if you have, if you're not a member of our Discord channel and you want to be, which is just Tiger Talk all the time, just 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We also have a minor league part of that too. Certainly, no foolishness in there. No, no foolishness. No, no. It's not like Twitter. We're not. I don't want any dickheads in there. I created this Discord. There's some foolishness, home. but yeah, there's not people being dead. Yeah. yeah, Austin Meadows. Yeah, Austin Meadows is probably part of direct, but um, but if you want to be part of Discord, just let us know in our YouTube chat, and we'll I'll I'll send you. I'll be happy to send you the link on there to join it. But there was somebody that mentioned, and I didn't do too much of a deep dive on him, but I do like this guy. It was Malcolm Nunez, who was not protected to the Wolf 5. He had 262 between St. Louis and Pittsburgh last year as a first baseman. And I kind of, look, the Tigers are not going to, 
get a first. I know that Harris has addressed that they would probably get a first baseman. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I will, you know what? I'll glad to wear Kyle 205. I will gladly put the invitation in there. I just got to make sure I'm doing it right. There we go. I got it in there. So, yeah. So join the Discord. It is very, it's a very cool thing that I started last year because for people that want, like, I, Discord was something that I was I was using somewhere else for Prospects Live. And I thought it would be a cool application for Tiger fans to come and hang out and talk baseball. And we also got Pistons chat in there now, Wings chat. Somebody wanted a trading card thing. So, like, so yeah. there's cool memes. I was just in there, Piston chat with myself last night. With, uh, <laughs> I was wondering, but, uh, you know. like, I, I was about to go to bed and I'm like, ah, yeah. Chris is complaining. Yeah, because, uh, you know, no defense. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I think there will be a lot more movement now. There are a lot of guys who were not protected. There will be some interesting prospects taken in the Rule 5. I don't know if the Tigers will get one of them, but yeah, there's going to be even more movement soon. And it wouldn't shock me. We did all this talking. It wouldn't shock me. Uh, we talked about before, if, if Brendan White is just right off the 40 band in another couple of weeks, the way he's got Harris work. So yeah, it, it, it's going to be fun to keep an eye on this team just at all times, but as I said before, like don't make too much out of any one move because the guys might not be here for long. Yeah, so don't get attached to those, any player or anything. And there's certain again, there's I will say there's more. I think there's been more activity on that side of things. And we saw all the names that are elected free agency. Kyra Montero, by the way, comes to mind, but I, I kind of saw that coming because this guy's been an organization since 2014. Do you like the free agency? Yeah, he did. He was part of oh, let wow. me let me let me pull that list up because there's a list of that of guys that you may have known that were. I would think he'd be a priority for them to resign. But... Yeah, and that kind of or not. You saw Moreno. Sorry, you saw Moreno. Oh sorry. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I didn't take yeah. Montero sorry, yeah. is is a, a guy that you know is an interesting pitcher who I thought they I didn't give him a big chance of being protected, but he's another dude who got some interesting. Stuff. So yeah, Hershon Moreno, that's not a huge surprise. Elvin Rodriguez left, right. It's just going to get, there's going to be some pretty severe roster churn this next year or two. Yeah. JT Hinson, who. Shea Spitzbarth. Yeah. That was another. Who had a really inter- he's, he's got an interesting arm, really unique kind of over the top arm angle with a splitter. But there, we always talk about like, like you can be dominant in double A and uh, be one of like the 2000 best baseball players in the, on the planet. But baseball's tough, man. You got to be like top 750. Yeah. And that's just unfortunate. No. And, 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 and the thing is too, one of the things that it was, by the way, to answer Alan's question, I'm sorry, Alan asked a really good question about whether Jace Young and Peyton Graham will be a part of the future. It looks pretty good. I mean, we, we did see some of the advanced data about that, Graham hits the ball extremely hard. So, that, yeah. Or Young. Or I'm sorry, Young, Young, Young. I'm sorry, Young, Young. Was it Young that we saw that data for? I don't remember. Sure. I, I thought it was Young, but I mean, I, he, he hit the ball quite well in college. I, I was not impressed with his pro debut, but I also wasn't impressed with Isaac Pacheco's pro debut. And, and that he changed my mind very quickly. So, I'm, I'm giving Jason Young time, but I don't have him. Right now, I'm not penciling him in this like a future impact impact player for the Tigers. Peyton Graham is a huge boomer bust guy. He kind of reminds me of Gage Workman. Like he could be an absolute monster, like 2020 shortstop, or he could hit 210 to Double A. I don't know. Yeah, as far as that goes, though, I mean, it's it, the thing that even a guy like Danny Soretti, Danny Soretti, 
Well, Danny Soretti. Danny, it's already. Danny Soretti. Danny Soretti for the next level, right? Like, yeah. No one saw that coming. And he got, he he was effective in double A. I mean, he was, and it wasn't like he was just bloop singles. He was hitting all fields with power. And I I expect, and I and to what Werkow said in there, he was a, he was already good defensively. We already knew that that Soretti was a pretty good defensive player. Uh, Young is gonna come. He's gonna get there in time. I think that some of the way he has the way look, we noticed how at West Michigan, I think it was a game against Lansing his debut how. He was positioned like the way he was mm-hmm. positioned. I think he was more shaded towards center a little bit, but there's a play that he made that looked should have been routine, but it made it look harder than what it was. Remember that one well, play going to his left? And yeah, works? I, I kind of compared him to Cody Clemens in that way, where he's like he's a gamer, he's going to make plays, but he's not. He is not a plus athlete. He was pushing like it was twenty grade run times to first. I think we know he had a hip injury last year, so there may have been some lingering issues with that. Maybe he's a little bit faster than that. But yeah, I, I don't look at him as like a, a real value offensively, but he'll make the plays if they're there. I mean, he's a baseball guy. Um, yeah, what what you need from Jace Young is for him to hit and hit power. We didn't see much of that this year, but again, jumping from college to high A is not all that easy. So we'll, we'll keep keep an eye on him next year and, we, we like we say with our prospect rankings, like was it's just a snapshot of time. He could go yeah. be on fire for two months and he'd be like top three in our system. Uh, speaking in of our prospect, ranking of the system, I, I, I was gonna say that like speaking of our top prospects, top twenty five prospects. If you are a fan of Woodward Tigers and you didn't, you may or may not know this about us. We also host the Tiger Miley Report. You can find it at tigermlreport.com. I'll put the put that in there right now. So if you are Jack, look. Bottom line, we're working, we're, on, we're, we're working on it. Jack, trust me, we're working on it, okay? I'm going over his house this weekend because if I have a setup, I, I, I made that setup for him, but I take responsibility for figuring out, I got to figure it out. So trust me, Jack, we are working on it. Yeah, I mean, that's my main my main issue. I don't like listening to our show because I don't like the way I sound, and, and that's a bummer for me. Yeah, so look, Jack, and one of the things I will say about our audience, I love how... I love how honest they are and yeah. the feedback. It, look, the bottom line is if it wasn't for the feedback of the audience on our audio, I wouldn't have the mic I have now. I wouldn't have the Roadcaster Pro. Thank you, Pandemic, for that I saved up for. So trust me, it is one of the things that we're working on. So it's always a work in progress, which is why we have our Patreon. So patreon.com forward slash Tiger Mind Report could help us with that. That goes a long way. I know you're probably thinking, well, Roger, you'll post a lot of links in there. This is true. I don't. And I got to do a better job of that. But we post all that content over at Tiger Mind Report. So please check out our top 25. It's it's there. We're going to be doing individual reports. But as as Workhouse said in 205, said in chat too, we'll, we'll get back to the conversation. He's the right about Warmer Flores, which is why I thought that Olsen may, may not make roster because I think with Flores – Going, I think Flores has a good chance maybe to make the rotation outside chance, outside chance. I'm not saying he's going to. With that development of, of Flores in Erie, it kind of makes me go, well, maybe they can protect somebody else other than Olsen. So, but that's no, yeah. that's a good point. So, busy, busy mid November day for the Tigers. Yes. 
And I, I, like I said, I still think, I mean, as far as there's a pitcher and, and there's, there's a certain, there's a couple names out there we've heard and floating around and all that, but yeah, we, we haven't heard anything yet. It's been really quiet. It's been really quiet on the, on the side. Like I, I know that Tyler Anderson signed with the angels, which the angels needed pitching really bad. So I don't, I don't blame him for that. And I think that set the market for the kind of pool the Tigers are going to be swimming in. These kind of right. back-end rotation starters, three years, and then 15 million, I think. Those are the types of names we might see the Tigers connect to. Your Taiwan Walkers, your Jameson yeah. Tyons, and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, maybe things will move now. As far as bringing Jay, before we got here, look, I know people want Jay, Justin Berlander to come home. I, I, I do too. I'm not going to lie. However, I just don't think it's going to happen as of yet. I think there's more money to be made out there. I think there's playoff teams that will look for services. Although I did see something last week about what he said about the New York. I'm paraphrasing that pretty much he basically said, I'm never going to play. He's like, the fans <laughs> suck. They don't they root for you. They boo for you. And he basically ripped New York a new one. So he's not about the Yankees. He didn't say about the Mets. So the Mets, I mean, Flushing, they're playing Flushing still, right? Please. Yeah, Queens. Well, yeah, actually, Queens, I don't yeah. know if I don't know we if can... it's still in Flushing or where City City Field is, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we we talked about it before. If you're Justin Verlander, do you want to come back to Detroit and try to get them to 85 wins, or do you want to try to for 300 wins and be the last pitcher ever to do it? Yeah, with the Dodgers or the Mets or the Braves or some team that's that's going to win 100 games next year and gives you a better chance to do that. I think that you know. He's going to take a lot of money and he's going to go somewhere where, where they're going to win or threaten for a World Series. And that's not Detroit. Yeah. And he's going to be a higher gun. I mean, look, if, if he wants to come here at 44 and he gets his 300 and then spends that one season underneath there, that's fine. But at the same time, I think the Tigers have way too much priorities right now to really go in. They have to address so many other things right now. They still have to address the back end of the rotation because. They're not healthy there. They still have to get another outfielder with power. They didn't get power. Powers to me is number one. If you're going to put the top three priorities for this offseason, number one is power. You need a power bat. We, we said this last year. We talked about that, that they're going to need one. And no problem, Jack. Thank you for bringing that up. We Honestly, Jack, Thanks really appreciate it. So, thank you for listening too. Yeah. Number two, I still think in terms of another, like we just mentioned starting pitching. And number three, I really think also, a first baseman, a first baseman, because again, you're not going to put all that pressure on Spencer Torkelson. Torkelson could pick another step up next year. I don't know. And somebody mentioned earlier, I think it was Alex in the chat talking about potentially trading him. I don't know. I don't know what the front office, this new front office thinks of him. However, I still think the Tigers need some sort of backup plan at first base. I really do. And that those are to me, the top three priorities that the Tigers should address this off season. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, I like all those. I think I think you nailed it. I think they need more pitching depth. We saw what happened last year when they were down to their 15th starter. They need power, absolutely. They need power from the outfield. They need power from the infield. They need power everywhere they can get it. And yeah, it would be nice to have a backup plan at first base so you don't have to force if, if your prized prospect, who is now a young big leaguer, he struggles to hit 200 again. If you want to... You can't just let them uh, stay there forever and, and, and fail, right? You need to, right. at a certain point, you go, all right, well, it's not working. You've got to go make some changes. And it would be nice to have a backup plan there. I wouldn't put 
backup first baseman is a huge priority, but I think it's something that they should have there, even to just put a little pressure on Clark for him. I'm sure he has feels plenty of pressure, but uh, yeah, they need to operate everywhere, and that's that's a key spot, I think. Well, definitely. It, it, like I said, it, even and somebody brought stop it brought in YouTube. Every time I say stop it, I almost like feel like I'm telling myself stop it, but but stop it brought sure. up a good point to another another good contact bat. You're right. There a guy, maybe a guy that can protect some protection to Riley Green in terms of so Riley Green can just demonstrate his power more. Who, by the way, speaking of Riley Green, he was named rookie hit rookie player of the year by the Detroit Sports Media Association. Chris had a vote in that. I was supposed to vote and I flat out forgot about it. So that's not me. But Well, you who would you have voted for? Riley Green, no, no doubt. Okay. Well, I accidentally voted twice for Riley Green, so we're 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 good. All right, a little sweet. Because I didn't realize my vote went through, and then I was like, and then I did it again, and the counter went up. I went and went, whoops. Somebody, right. somebody I, I, I used to associate myself with said they voted for Cody Clemens, and I just, I, I have, I like just, I mean, it, it's, yeah, you, you, it's like music subjective. You have your favorite players, same thing, baseball subjective, except it's not because baseball stats don't lie. So, for no, example, uh, I mean, yeah. But yeah, no, nothing about Cody Clemens last year was was spectacular. It was fun watching him pitch and blowouts, but that got old pretty quickly. It was funny, but speaking of music, and it kind of worked out well. Is is so somebody DM me about what show I went to go see last week, and I said I saw Steve Vai, who was in the Frank Zappa band, and so the guy goes or the fan goes, "How come Chris has never heard of Steve Vai?" I go, dude, there's a lot of guys that I'll say, and Chris just goes. Oh, okay, cool. And then he doesn't know who they are, but it's it's fine. <laughs> um, it, it, yes, my my music tastes are fairly narrow and but deep, as it were. Yeah, um, like if you want to know, wanna, if you want to talk about eighties hip hop, hip hop from like nineteen eighty eight to two thousand four. Yeah. I will talk to you all day. Beyond that, I'm not great with, with music. I try sometimes. I got some some other strange outside interests, but I, I yeah, I'm not. Not great with classic rock or anything like that. But I think our sense of humor and our love for obscure humor, obscure humor, I mean, like if somebody who can quote kids in the hall as much as I can, is fine by me. I mean, so I, I certainly appreciate Frank Zappa. I just didn't listen to him much. And Clemens did do a good job on the mountain. And shout out to, by the way, shout out to, Cam, by the way, shout out to Cameron who covered for me last week, who we're slowly putting into everything here. And uh, so... Thank you, Cameron. I know you're in the chat right now. I appreciate you coming in there. And and Jack is right too. They, 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 a winning culture needs to be established. And one of the things we talked about last year, we were kind of making, we've always made fun of throughout the. We've been doing this podcast now for six years, under very different variations. One of the things that we've always talked about how I, I don't like cliches, like just this whole we need to we need to right now winning's contagious and those things. And I, I always thought that was kind of nonsense, but I've changed my mind about it quite a bit because. Things I saw this year, I mean, I see, for example, West Michigan, and I saw at Erie this year. I saw Gabe Alvarez was the man. And Gabe Alvarez did a really good job of capturing the locker room. Same players from the year before, pretty much almost the same players, completely different results. Same thing with Pena. Like, Pena, Brian Pena is a player's manager, and he knows what to get out of that. And we saw for the first time in, in club history, four all four teams finishing over 500. And to me, it is a winning culture. So, Jack, I completely like that culture 
as much it might be to some people like who cares to the minor leaguers it doesn't matter but for lakeland lakeland to have as many 19 year olds as they did to go over 500 in the florida state league is not what it used to be trust me but still i thought that was really that was really cool to see that and and by the way we're out 205 l l cool j fat boy yeah. i want to play some fat boys for people out there who have not heard of the fat uh, boys are back yeah yeah, Toby Checker and the Fat Boys are doing twists. That song is and, so bad. Marky D, was it the, yeah, the, um, there's a great Fat Boys skit from Square One Television where they're counting Square burgers. Square One. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, that's a good. What happens good when you're 40 plus? But, yeah, that, that's a good one, the reference there. So, yeah. But, anyway. I don't know. I mean, you know, that wraps, that wraps it up, right? I mean, we... yeah. So we'll be back on Thursday, normal live show, of course, that will be on at my o'clock here at Woodward Tigers on our YouTube channel. Check out all the great content over at woodwardsports.com. There is the meet the, I'm going to drop this article in here right now. And let me, yeah, I'm going to drop that in there for everybody to check out. And there's also, I'm going to drop an article right now on some of the new hires and all that. So the, there's plenty of content all at your fingertips over at woodwardsports.com. And the podcast will be live on Thursday. So join us again. We'll be talking. Hopefully the Tigers maybe sign a free agent. Who knows? But uh, actually, I think this year, I think this week we're going to go back in time a little bit. We might have a guest who we did, we did this last year. We did this last year where we had, we did like different teams. We did, and I thought it was a really good idea. We covered the 87 team. We, we covered various teams throughout throughout the year so we did the 86 mats we did that so we might go back to that and, and if you guys have any ideas for off-season content by all means we we love to hear some ideas so if you guys want us to go like scott bentley does over at at lockdown tigers where he breaks down certain players by all means love that and we, we were a big fan of scotty so anyways folks we'll see you thursday have a good week everybody